Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbard. And I'm Courtney Brons. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. Well, are you decking the halls with boughs of holly yet? Maybe fixing an open fire to roast some chestnuts over? Ever wonder about the trees behind these iconic Christmas songs? Well, wait no more. Today we're talking about the American holly tree and the American chestnut tree. So what's the history behind the American chestnut? The American Chestnut Foundation states that more than a century ago, nearly 4 billion American chestnut trees were growing in the eastern United States. In fact, the American chestnut tree reigned over 200 million acres of eastern woodlands, from Maine to Florida, and from the Piedmont Plateau in the Carolinas, west to the Ohio Valley. An estimated 4 billion American chestnuts, up to one quarter of the hardwood tree population, grew within this range. They were among the largest, tallest, and fastest growing trees, some reaching upwards of 100 feet tall. The wood was said to be rot-resistant, straight-grained, and suitable for furniture, fencing, and building. The nuts fed billions of wildlife, people, and their livestock. It was thought to be the perfect tree. Older generations might remember that chestnut ripening coincided with the Thanksgiving-Christmas holiday season, and turn-of-the-century newspaper articles often showed train cars overflowing with chestnuts, rolling into major cities to be sold fresh or roasted. The American chestnut was truly a heritage tree, that is, until a blight fungus eliminated it almost entirely from the eastern forest. The chestnut blight is considered one of the greatest ecological disasters to strike the world's forests in all of history. So I've heard a lot about the chestnut blight. Is that a virus or a fungus, Don? Well, at the beginning of the 20th century, this uh, what is known as a fungal pathogen is responsible for the chestnut blight. Cryphonectra parasitica was accidentally imported into the U.S. from Asia. It was first detected in New York in 1904, spreading rapidly throughout the eastern forest. As a wound pathogen, the fungus enters a tree through an injury in the bark. It spreads to the underlying vascular cambium and wood, killing these tissues as it advances. The flow of nutrients is eventually choked off from the sections of the tree above the infection, killing the tree above ground. So by the time Nat King Cole recorded the Christmas song, otherwise known as chestnuts roasting over an open fire, the fungus had eliminated the American chestnut as a mature forest tree. The American chestnut, however, has not gone extinct. It is considered functionally extinct by the USDA because the blight fungus does not kill the tree's root system underground. The American chestnut has survived by sending up stump sprouts that grow vigorously in logged or otherwise disturbed sites, but it inevitably succumbs to the blight and dies back to the ground. Well, it seems like I remember reading about an organization who has made big strides in bringing back the American Chestnut, right? Right, the American Chestnut Foundation. The ACF was founded in 1983 by a group of prominent plant scientists and laypersons who recognized the severe impact the demise of the American Chestnut tree imposed upon the local economy of rural communities and upon the ecology of forests within the tree's native range. 
The ACF's goal was to breed blight resistance from the Chinese chestnut tree into the American chestnut tree while maintaining the American chestnut's characteristics. The Chestnut Foundation's breeding program began by crossing Chinese chestnut trees, which are naturally resistant to the blight, with their American cousins. The result was trees that were 50% American, 50% Chinese. These trees were then back-crossed to the American species, resulting in trees which were 75% American. The procedure was repeated to produce an American chestnut tree that retains no Chinese characteristics other than blight resistance. Today, the United States produces only 1% of the planet's chestnut production. China is the world's leader, even though most American chestnuts are imported from Italy. So let's now turn our attention to the American holly. Yeah, the American holly is a shrub or tree that is most easily identified by its bright red berries. The berries are arranged in clusters along the length of the smooth, robust stems. American holly normally grows 15 to 30 feet tall, but records indicate they grow much bigger. According to the 2004-2005 National Register of Big Trees, the national champion American holly is located in Cumberland, Virginia. It has a circumference of 139 inches, is 68 feet high, has a spread of 48 feet with 219 total points. Well, I've seen American holly tree a few times, but for those who haven't, what does it look like? The leaves of the American holly are two to four inches long and arranged alternatively. They are satin green and smooth above and yellowish green below. Small greenish white flowers bloom from April to June. Newly established plants will not flower for four to seven years. Pollination occurs with the help of bees who use its nectar to make honey. American holly grows from Massachusetts to Florida west to Texas and Missouri, and is adapted to a wide range of site conditions. It grows best on well-drained, sandy soils, but will tolerate those that are somewhat poorly drained. The small tree has good shade tolerance, but does well in direct sun. So does the American holly produce any kind of fruit? Well, the attractive green foliage and bright red fruit of this tree make it a very popular for landscaping. The same attributes that allow this tree to be a desirable ornamental make it one of the most sought-after greens for Christmas decoration. The firm, bright red berries are consumed by white-tailed deer and 18 species of birds. The dense foliage also provides cover and nesting habitat for various songbirds. The holly fruit is consumed by many bird species including the common flicker, gray catbird, cedar waxwing, Ruffed Grouse, Northern Bobwhite, the Cardinal, the Blue Jay, White Throat Sparrow, and Courtney's favorite, the Wild Turkey. Other animals that eat American holly include squirrels, chipmunks, meadow voles, red foxes, raccoons, cottontails, white-footed mice, and get this, box turtles. The American holly also provides excellent shelter for many animals is a good nest site for a variety of songbird species, especially bluebirds and thrashers. The berries will stay on the trees throughout the winter unless they are consumed by birds or other wildlife. In turn, these animals, mostly small birds and mammals, disperse the seeds. Large, migrating flocks of small birds, such as cedar wax wings and American goldfinches, are perhaps the most important species for dispersing 
holly seeds. I'm sure there's some history behind the American holly, right? People have always been fascinated with holly trees. Romans presented holly boughs with gifts to esteemed friends. When the pilgrims landed in North America, the prickly leaves and red berries of American holly reminded them of English holly, a symbol of Christmas for centuries in England and Europe. Since then, the American holly has been valued for Christmas decorations and ornamental plantings. In fact, the indiscriminate harvesting of foliage with berries for Christmas decorating posed the greatest threat to holly trees. This was especially true in the early 20th century when holly branches became such a popular indoor Christmas decoration that people began stealing them from private landscapes. To preserve the landscape in Maryland and Delaware, where the native tree is prolific, laws were passed prohibiting the sale of fresh American holly. Well, I'll definitely look at these species a little differently as the holidays approach. So this next portion of the show is a call to action with a reward. A couple months back, we talked about bats and their struggle with white nose syndrome. As this is a devastating fungus for several species of bats, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the White Nose Syndrome Response Team are seeking help of ordinary citizens, innovative scientists, and novel problem solvers to leave no stone unturned in the search for a permanent solution. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has announced a $100,000 challenge to combat the fungus that causes the white nose syndrome. Awards of up to $20,000 are available for individuals or teams who identify innovative ways to permanently eradicate, weaken, or disarm the fungus. You don't have to be a bad expert to enter the challenge. The opportunity is open to anyone with a groundbreaking idea for tools or techniques that could reduce the effects of the fungus without harming other beneficial species or the environment. I'll place a link on the Conservation Corner page so you can find additional information or submit your idea on how to combat the white nose syndrome. Well, that does it for today's show. If you have questions related to today's show, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and ask questions or make comments about the show. You can even suggest ideas for future shows. You have been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Bronze. And I'm Don Hibbert saying, enjoy the outdoors.